fired up. The snap, the put down, the swing of the leg. It is on its way. It is good! Cincinnati wins the American Championship! Cincinnati, a 20-point win tonight in Kansas City. Cincinnati is legit. Welcome to the national scene, Wes Miller and the Cincinnati Bearcats with the win. And guess what? The Joe Burrow era is just beginning. Welcome back. How's that? That was a bit uninspiring. Okay, well, I I couldn't hear Aaron usually either. does a welcome back. A little bit of welcome and then a back. All right, well, next time I'll try harder, I guess. I, I, I like got really thrown off when I couldn't hear myself back, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe this isn't even going out through the airwaves. Who knows? Yeah, anybody watching right now is probably a little thrown off as well without Jeff yeah. and Aaron here. It's just... Me and Ed tonight. Yeah, so quick rundown. Uh, Jeff is uh, at work, and Aaron is on his way to uh, Indiana to see his sister. And he should be jumping on shortly. He says his ETA is uh, 9.30, um, but he also said his ETA was 9.10 and that he was going to try to beat that. So that's fail. how that worked out. Yeah, yeah, pretty much a fail. You know, that's producer. But, hey, uh, we are here tonight with Clay Snowden. So it's going to be just Clay and I for the first, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. Aaron's blowing up my phone right now. He's probably mad that I started the show without him, but that's fine. I can do this. This is is fine. Tell Aaron I had a time time constraint that we're working around. And you're fully capable of running the show that you've been doing and producing very well. Um. For what three, four, five years? Five years. Fun fact: I'm the only one on the show who has done their own show. Really? Yeah. Five years is really impressive. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long time. I I just had to transfer all the files. Yeah, this is really good. Uh, everybody loves hearing this, but I just had to transfer all the files off my. I had to get a new a new uh hard drive for my computer to get all those files off. But wow. Yeah. Is what it is. Yeah, okay. So we start the first two minutes with some back and forth chit chat catching up. So what? So what? That's how we roll. That's how uh that's how other shows do it, right? I guess. Who knows? But no Clay, no wrestling talk. That's all I ask. Whoa, you don't want to talk about Ric Flair's last match? No. Neither do I. It was not pretty. We'll talk about it later. But uh some big uh some big moves happening in the world of the Cincinnati Reds, Clay. Um it's been a it's been a pretty busy week for you, has it not? Yeah, it's by far been the busiest week I've ever had. I've been going since 7 a.m. this morning. It's currently 9:22. So I was telling you before, and this is my third podcast of the day. So um did a just baseball live stream and then the late night reds live stream for the breaking news of Tyler Malley getting traded. Um I've done a lot of articles too, so I'm I'm my brain may be a little bit fried at this point. We'll try to keep you we'll try to keep you on track with the with the information as it goes down. Um, but I'm guess we'll start from the beginning. Start it started all, all last week on on Wednesday night uh, with the trade of uh, 
Nyqu- uh, Tyler Naquin for Jose Acuna and Hector Rodriguez. Yeah, that move was to the Mets. The Mets were looking for a lefty bat in the outfield. They needed another fourth outfielder. They had Travis Jankowski, Nick Plummer, um, a couple of just really bottom line underperforming players. Uh, Travis Jankowski, former Red, now Seattle Mariner system player, along with every former Red. And um, feels I like-, like the move personally. Uh, Philip Deal also went to New York in that move. They need a lefty in the bullpen. I assume he's just organizational depth for them. Or they didn't really get you know, anything at the deadline today in terms of a lefty. So maybe Philip Deal could actually see some action. I hope not for Mets fans. Um, the return's interesting. It's a couple of young players. Um, you have Acuna, who's a pitcher. And I believe he is in low A. Daytona is where he reported and Rodriguez Daytona. Yeah. Um, Rodriguez is a second base outfield type option. I don't really know where he'll slot in. I haven't watched much of these players, just what I've seen on Twitter and whatever I can find on YouTube. Um, But the bottom line is you trade a player that you were not going to bring back and you get two, I guess you could say high high upside. You know, you don't really know what 18-year-olds are going to become, 19-year-olds, right. most of the time. I mean, no one knew Ellie De La Cruz's name just, what, two years ago. So you don't really know what these players are going to be. I like that particular move, going with kind of lottery ticket, young, young, young prospects for Tyler Naquin because you weren't going to get anything close to the MLB with Naquin, unless you wanted to get like a complete project reliever who's 26 in AAA or something like that. So personally, I like the move. Awesome. That happened on Wednesday night to the Mets. And then the Reds were pretty quiet up until up until the weekend. Um, when on the actually, no, they weren't. The next day, the next day they went ahead and made that trade. Uh Luis Castillo for a Nove Marte. Edwin Arroyo and Levi Stout, Stout and Andrew Moore. Is Edwin Arroyo related to Bronson at all? He absolutely is not. Okay. Um, right. Well, to work through that return, um, Noel V. Marte is a top 25 prospect across baseball. Um, right now, he's playing shortstop. He's playing shortstop tonight for your Dayton Dragons. And, um, Last I checked, he had two ground outs, a really nice play that's making its way around Twitter, and also apparently a throwing error, I think it was. Um, I was not watching the game tonight, but uh, Marte projects towards third base more than shortstop long-term. He doesn't have the best footwork um, for a shortstop, and as you know, the Reds are loaded at shortstop right now for the foreseeable future. I think he is somebody, and you may just check his age and say, oh, he's several years away. I think he could be somebody who's just like De La Cruz's path and be up by 2024. Um, I would love to see him as the starting third, excuse me, starting third baseman going forward. I think he'll be a better defensive player at third base, and the bat will play up. He has enough power to stay at third, um, a great hit tool, and that's what makes him a top 25 prospect in all of baseball and he immediately went to the top of the reds 
farm system, as you can see on the screen here. If you're listening on podcast, he is number one. Nick Lodolo is number two. Now, Lodolo will graduate very soon, within the next two weeks, which will push Ellie De La Cruz up to number two. Now, with all these trades, with the draft picks about to be entered into this, and midseason updates, this list should look very different. I know over at Just Baseball, we I talked to Arm today, and we will be updating our Reds list very soon. Um, and looking forward to do a live YouTube Q&A on all of that once it does happen. The second piece in that trade, Edwin Arroyo, shortstop, 18 years old. He's in rookie ball, switch hitting shortstop, slick fielding, uh, more of your traditional shortstop in terms of just build and and everything. Um, I think he's a much better defender, and I think he will stick at short if they choose to do that. Now, of course, if Ellie De La Cruz ends up being what we project him to be at shortstop, Arroyo will either be traded or he will assume a different position. Um, Arroyo's bat really came on this year, and he, he has a lot more pop in it than I realized. And like I said, he's a switch hitter. Something that the Reds have actually gotten a couple of over the trade deadline. So um, I I like him a lot as a secondary piece. I was blown away. I never thought that they would get. He he is also a top 100 prospect. I should mention, um, depending on which list, and I think he's only going to go up those lists as they continue to be updated. He's trending in the right direction. So as a secondary piece, I was shocked that they got somebody over Royo's caliber. Um, Levi Stout, he should be around 18, I believe, in the rankings. Ed, if you want to scroll down, uh, there he is. Is he 18? 18, Levi Stout. Um, a little bit of an older pitcher in terms of prospects, still not old, 24 years old in double A. He was a guy who was climbing up the Mariners list, and he was the number five prospect in the Seattle system, as you can see. 18 when he comes over here. So that's why you've got to always take that with a grain of salt. When you say, oh, we got a top five guy, like, okay. Levi Stout um, right now is a starter, probably projects better to the bullpen, um, especially if he goes down and starts throwing more one, or excuse me, more two two or three pitch mix. Um, still, still some upside there and some intrigue. It's not just a complete throw in and see what happens. Like he's, a coveted prospect still. Um, no one's writing him off. I don't know exactly if he's been assigned somewhere yet or not or what his plan is, but I am interested in watching him um, j- just to see if he can be thrown into this mix with the other plethora of, of starting pitchers that are now coming up on these prospect lists. And the last one was um, Drew Moore. Is that correct? That was the last piece in that trade? That's true. Um, Andrew Moore. Andrew Moore. Andrew Moore, 22-year-old. Um, again, not sure if he's going to be a starter or a reliever, but an in, an interesting piece. Um, not in the top 30 for the Reds, but still not. I, I think he has a little bit more intrigue than the player-to-be-named types or typically player-to-be-named types. Um, overall, this is a great trade. And I asked RM on the Just Baseball live stream today, at around 6, 10 p.m., after all of the moves were made, which move got the best return at the deadline? Obviously, Juan Soto is number one. That's to be expected. 
Besides that, the best return, the best trade, um, him and I both agreed, is Luis Castillo, especially when you see what Frankie Montas brought back from the A's. The Yankees gave up a few starting pitchers and a second baseman, Cooper Bowman, who hit, who did hit a home run tonight in his A's minor league debut. Um, but overall, yeah. that return was much, much weaker than the return. The highest rated prospect in there was a back half of the top 100. The other players, I think number 10 or further down the prospect list for the Yankees. So Luis Castillo was great. So you're telling me Edwin Royo does not strum a guitar and sing about JTM? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. It doesn't mean that he can't. There's a chance. There is a chance. There's a small chance, but a chance. Once he meets the other Royo, then we could could see that probably. All right. And then Monday night, we had had, part of the family left. Part of the family left. Uh, Tommy Pham was traded to the Red Sox in exchange for a player to be named later in cash. Cash that he can use to make his fantasy football bets and fantasy football trades and things like that. Um, Was this just a a dump of the contract? Yeah, more or less. Um, This is an opportunity for the Reds to just get different players into the lineup. Mm -hmm. Tommy Pham being on or off this Reds team does not change a damn thing. So why not just move him? Um, the fact that they got anything for him was somewhat of a surprise, honestly. Um, the return was about what I expected it to be, you know, pretty much nothing. Um, he'll go to Boston, have a chance to, I guess, play some, be a fourth outfielder. Boston had a very strange deadline. Um, you know, there's just not really much to be said, I guess. He had a, I believe, seven or seven point five million dollar contract, so prorated. The Reds will save that money as he was traded, so his contract goes with him. So whatever the division works out to be for the rest of the year, that's how much the Red Sox winning him. So the Reds save a little bit of cash, an opportunity for Jake Fraley, Albert Almora, um, everyone's favorite Aquino, T.J. Friedel. Players like that to get into the lineup. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll miss Tommy here in Cincinnati. You know, he was part of the family. The past, like for whatever reason, the past two players that came to mind when I thought of just like outfielders join the team, like have name recognition coming in and left at the deadline. Puig and Fam. Both very um, aggressive players. Very something. I don't even know what to call it. Both are something. That's for damn sure. I don't think Puig's trade will ever be topped. I don't think just go out there and start a fight with all of Pittsburgh. And then, oh, by the way, at the same time, you're being traded. Please don't injure yourself because we don't want this trade to go through. That was like one of the more bizarre things I've ever seen in a sport. Just like this guy's traded. I'm just going to go beat beat up some guys on the other team what was the gentleman who was traded yesterday in the middle of batting practice um christian vasquez and then he's like all the reporters surround him and one of yeah. the handlers just like taps him on the shoulder to let's go and he yeah. just walks off the field that was i thought that was rather interesting so all right well we'll miss you tommy fam and that attitude of yours and i hope you 
all the best in your fantasy football season coming up in the next couple weeks. So we go to today. Two two moves made today. If Tyler Malley being traded for Spencer Steer, Christian Encarnacio Stand, and Stephen. Yeah, you told me this at the beginning. You told me how to pronounce this at the beginning, and I said I got this. Hashir. Hashir. I knew there was a Hashir. Yeah. Hasher. I had to traded call, to Minnesota. So I called Jack McMullen um, from Just Baseball. He's the play-by-play for the Indianapolis Indians. And the reason why I called him is because being a play-by-play, you have like access to more or less these like audio files that pronounce names for you. Yeah. So I called him. I was like, hey, how do you say this name? So I listened to it a few times. He put it over the phone. And um, that that's at least my understanding of how you say it. So about that return, this is going to be a long-winded a- answer as well. So just sit back, Ed, enjoy your Coney and your Mountain Dew. How did you know um, I had a Coney? Do you really? No way. Okay, start eating that because I'm going to talk for I, 10 I already straight ate later. them. I ate them before we started the show, okay. but I got some crackers I can eat while you're talking. Yeah, go ahead and start eating those crackers. I'll, just all right, I'll put myself a meat show here. Crunch. Yeah, please yeah. do. We don't need you know, that. We got etiquette around here. I got you. Um, will you also, before you start indulging in the crackers, pull up? Thank you. That's what you wanted. Hey, yes, producer. So just keep it right there. Yeah. Spencer steer. This is the first piece. And I guess what you'd call a headliner of this deal coming over from Minnesota, 24 year old infielder, second, third, probably, um, if he plays this year could be seen at third base. Um, he is rule five eligible in December of this season. So he will have to be added to the 40 man roster for him not to be lost in the draft. Now they could do that right away if they wanted to. And he could be inserted into this lineup and start getting at bats. And I think he's ready for that. He's been hitting in triple a this year, 12 home runs, 242 average, 345 on base, 485 slugging, 118 WRC plus in triple a. 12.1% walk rate, which is a really good number, and only an 18.5% strikeout rate. More of a bat-to-ball guy with some pop. Um, I think he'll – if I was the Reds, here's what I would do. I would either – because they didn't trade Solano and they didn't trade Farmer, which makes things a little bit more complicated. I would call him up um, – Hell, I don't really care who they get rid of. I mean, it's a lost season. If you just want to DFA Matt Reynolds, I literally don't care, even though he's playing like well enough and can play shortstop, I guess. But um, Spencer Steer, I want to see him in the lineup. If you put him in AAA, I mean, I guess they could. But if you have to add him in December, why not just add him now? He's ready to, to go right now. Number seven prospect, just ahead of Jay Allen, Chase Petty, Reese Hines, some big-time names. Some first-round draft picks or comp picks and second-round picks. Um, so, yeah, I like Spencer Steer. I don't know just how high his ceiling is, um, but I feel like he has a pretty low – or, excuse me, pretty high floor. Um, at the end of the day, we need to find out what he is and Jose Barrero. So, if they want to go ahead and call him up and start playing him, I'm cool with that. The second returning piece, and this needs to have an asterisk next to it. Christian Encarnacion Strand, the number 17 prospect in the Red system. 
he was the number 23 prospect in a Minnesota system, a system that's not as deep as the Reds. So how does he climb? Because when they did this, they updated it to an extent. He should have been higher in the in the Minnesota rankings, but he wasn't. Um, 1,100 OPS in college, 993 OPS in the minors in his two seasons, 22 years old. I think this is the guy who has the best chance of taking over for Joey Votto at first base. He has a ton of power, um, 20 home runs in double-A this year, 296, 370, 599, 6.7% walk rate, 23.3% K rate. I like him a lot, and I've been watching him and following him this whole year, and I was shocked to see that he got traded to the Reds, but I'm very excited about the move. So um, he was in double-A. I'm sure he will report there. Um, Alex McGeary is the um, double-A first baseman right now. He'll likely go to third where he's been playing most of the time. I don't know if that's a long-term play for him, though. Um, Nick Quintana, who was brought over for the Tucker Barnhart trade, is currently the third baseman in double-A. I like Encarnacion Strain a lot. Um, Steve Hasher, which... Still need to check on that name. That that's how I heard it. So that's where we're gonna go with 21 years old, turns 22 next week, six foot four lefty, 200, excuse me, six foot five, 240 pounds. Um, I like this guy. He hides the ball really well. He's a lefty and he comes over kind of quick action towards the plate. Um, I believe he's the 30th ranked prospect right now in the red system. Sorry, I feel like my my voice is kind of going out today, but um, 14.65K percentage, so that's a really high K number. 2.47 ERA this year so far in 12 starts. Um, I don't know just how high his ceiling is, but at the end of the day, even if he moves to the bullpen, um, the Reds don't have a lot of lefty bullpen options right now in the minors. Um, pitched at Michigan and was selected in the second round of the 2021 draft. So the second pitcher the Reds took from that draft with Chase Petty being the first one that, but both were with Minnesota at one point. Um, I'm I'm just going to go ahead and touch on some of these as, as you finish up your crackers here. So real, real quick, because I, I you were having a hard time with Hasher. Um, I went ahead and went to howtopronounce.com and it is pronouncing it as Hayar. Yeah. That's what it looks like, and that's what it should be. I don't know the origin of the word, but I'm going off what the pronunciation said in Jack's um whatever you call it, whatever Jack has. You're right. Uh Hajar, Hajar is a second pronunciation of that. Hajar Hajar. We'll figure it out one day. Okay. Um, those who can't look on the screen here, I'm just going to go through some of these updates. If we can scroll near the top, this is the Reds' top 30 prospects. Um, of course, whatever list you look at, this is Pipeline, which is run by MLB.com. Brandon Williamson's at five. Um, he's in AAA right now. Maybe he gets some starts this year with Castillo gone and Mally gone. Um, Chase Petty's at nine. That's another big name. 
Reese Hines is at 10. He's been playing pretty well. He's an outfielder now. Um, Tyler Callahan's at 11. I think that's high. Um, battled injury most of last year. Hasn't performed great. Austin Hendrick, that's really high. He's at number 12, former first-round pick. Not giving up on the 21-year-old, but, man, he's not looked great. Matthew Nelson at 13. Take or leave it. I think Andrew Abbott could climb up that chart pretty pretty high. Um, another lefty college arm starter, 23 years old in double A. Connor Phillips should jump maybe more than anybody on this list. Um, he's at 15 right now. He was the player to be named 21 years old um, in, in the Winker Suarez trade. Pitching in um, Dayton and did he, oh, excuse me, um, Chattanooga. Sorry, I just went blank there. So I think he could jump. We talked about some of these other ones. Christian Roa's interesting. And scroll down a little bit, Ed. Lion Richardson um, has been injured and hasn't pitched well. I wouldn't be surprised if he completely falls off. Daniel Vilohin at 26. That's a catching prospect to keep a name on. Hitting well in double A. Just recently got called up. Um, you know, the Reds keep drafting catchers. They keep trying to find somebody. He may be the one at 22 years old who is able to take over the backup in the future. So that's all I have about prospects. I know that was a lot. Um, I know that we still have another trade to get to. So I'm going to take a deep breath. Take that deep breath. How was that? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I mean, you're you're back there, you know, with, with Sparty. He's giving you power to power through this last half of your day or last part of your day. But uh, at about, what was it, 5 o'clock this afternoon, uh, Brandon Jury was traded to the San Diego Padres for a Victor Acosta, which my son is super excited about because he thinks he plays soccer. Um, and that's it. That's all we got for him, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, as you know, um, Brandon Drury, and scroll up on this list, please. Brandon Drury was traded to the Padres. I like the fit a lot for San Diego. He can play all over for them um, with Hosmer gone, Luke Voigt gone. Will Myers will probably play a lot of first base. Hell, Brandon Drury can play first base. Drury can play left field for them. Third base, if Machado needs a breather, DHs. Um, I don't want to see him at short. I doubt he will play short. He could play second and move Cronenworth to first. They're, they just become very multiple with Drury in their lineup. And remember, this guy was signed for one year, $900,000, right? It was a nothing. He played absolutely out of his mind in Cincinnati. He was so much fun to watch. Um, I just really, really enjoyed seeing him play. Um, for the Reds, but he brings back an interesting prospect in Victor Acosta. Now, I'm not going to act like I know a lot about Victor Acosta. I'd heard the name just browsing through prospect lists like I do, and I think he moves to around 15 in the rankings for the Reds. He was number six for the Padres, a system that has traded a lot and over the past day. Um, he's young. He's an 18-year-old in the playing in the complex here. We're not going to act like we know much about him. Um, a little bit of speed and supposedly a great fielder. So years away, but an athletic kid um, who's just another lottery ticket. 
Yeah. Hey, I got Aaron here in the stream. I'm going to go ahead and add him in. But while I'm adding him in, I do have a question hey. for you. You had mentioned a little bit ago about, you know, hey, let's go ahead and just bring some of these guys up and let them play, let them get some playing time. I mean, it's a lost season. Uh, do you think that's a move the Reds should make? I mean, should we just bring up some of these top prospect guys and just say, hey, we have X amount of games left in the season. Go out and show us what you can do, and then and then we'll take we'll talk again in spring training. Yeah. Hey, Aaron. Um, I think it's very dependent on which player. I think Jose Barrero needs to be called up, and I know he hasn't played well in AAA. I know he's battled injuries. But who cares? This season literally means nothing at this point. Get Jose Barrero some at-bats, some consistency, and just see what clicks, or at least try to find out more information, more time on task to just see if this guy is a plane for the future or if he isn't. Um, I don't even care where they play him. I want him to play short, but the Reds are obsessed with Kyle Farmer, so it doesn't look like that will happen. Brandon Williamson... I wouldn't mind seeing him. I think he still has some work to do. Probably more of a 2023 um, debut than 2022. But if you call him up in September, no one's going to argue about that. Um, the majority of the guys on that top 30 are probably not 2022 guys. Clay, I've been driving. I have no idea what you guys have been talking about. I've spent but, 30 minutes talking about prospects and Ed's been eating crackers right. from his meal. No, let's let's Shut be honest. I've I've put in some I put in some work here. I, I'm I'm proud of you, bud. Um I, I want to go back to before Wade Miley moved to Chicago, before Tucker Barnhart went to Detroit. And you look at this Reds team knowing that you know as the dominoes start to fall that this team isn't going to be competing. And all of a sudden it's turned into the hall of prospects that we got. Are you happy with what the front office has been able to do with these moves as a whole and where the future is looking as they now have maybe the deepest shortstop and center fielder core um, going all the way down to low, low single A out of anybody in all of baseball? I've got this for you, Clay. Uh, Aaron, if you would have been listening earlier uh, while you were driving, sorry, Clay, again, driving. Clay would tell you, well, I mean, phones and Bluetooth. Uh, Clay did mention that he believes that the Reds had the second best trade deadline of all of MLB. That, that's not that what also I said. wasn't the question. That, that also wasn't That's the not what I said and didn't answer the question. So I'll, I'll take it. Thanks, Aaron. Uh, <laughs> Ed, that's I said what you Luis said. Castillo was the second best return. Same thing. Return. Uh, yeah, that's close. I'm sorry. Was... Um, bottom line is, do I wish Reds ownership worked differently? Yes. Would I rather keep players long term and sign a Luis Castillo because money didn't matter? Of course, that makes everything easier. You don't have to go out and find prospects if that's the case. But it's simply not the case. So, working with what we have to work with. And knowing the landscape of the Reds, I am really excited for the return that they got. Luis Castillo's return is, it literally shocked me. And I've done a lot of research for two months on deadline stuff and written probably 35 articles just surrounding the deadline with other teams and landscapes of other teams. And um, it, it's truly incredible what they were able to bring back. And, to see him go to the Mariners, 
is, I guess, kind of cool too, you know, with the other players there. But yeah. Frankie Montas did not bring back hardly anything, and everyone considered him 1A, 1B with Luis Castillo. Um, you look around at the other returns for starting pitchers, they were pretty bleak. Um, just not a whole lot going on. Um, Noah Syndergaard, who's making $20 million. This is more speaking on how much pitchers cost. Syndergaard's been okay. You know, pretty good. $20 million. They brought back one prospect near the back end of the top 100, I believe, for him. Um, Some don't have him as a top 100, but that's it. And the Reds got two top 100s. Um, The Athletics got a back end of a top 100 and a bunch of guys who are just kind of Jags, right? Just, just a guy. Um, I like the returns as a whole. I think that the Marte Arroyo return from the Mariners has a chance to produce at least two everyday starters and probably one, at least bullpen arm. I think Noel Noel V. Marte has all-star potential. Not going to say he will be an all-star, but that type of potential. And Edwin Diaz, or excuse me, Edwin Arroyo is on the same track. The trade for Tyler Malley's trade, I think, solidifies the roster a little bit. You have Spencer Steer, who I think, at the very least, will be a big leader, or excuse me, a big leaguer for several years with a high floor, um, even if he's just a backup or a utility guy, which I, I don't think he's exactly projected to be that. Um, he has a little bit more to him. That That's a good piece to get. I think that Christian Encarnacion Strand has a ton of power and very well could take over for Joey Votto. There, there's, there's a starter there. Um, and then Steven Hazer is at least an, an interesting lefty. That's I have a question. question, Ed. I have another question. <laughs> All right. All right, I have Clay, question. we need to talk. Oh. No, no. Oh. Right, Clay, we need to talk. Sorry, I've been here for the, the beginning. I know. I'm trying to help <laughs> you out. You've asked a lot of questions. I'm I'm giving, like, oh, I tagged out, Ed. Ta- Ed. Hey, I was trying to talk as much as I could just so Ed wouldn't have to do transitions and questions. Was, he, he's the producer, and he's great at it. You know, I, I'm trying to take the load off of Ed a little bit. I, had I was doing a nightcap with Dave so that Aaron didn't have to do a nightcap later. Uh, Aaron was driving. Like, th- there's been a lot of moving parts tonight. Yeah. My takeaway, Clay, from the past, and as Aaron goes all the way back to the Winker and, and Suarez stuff, for far too long, because of Great American Ballpark, this franchise has focused on corner. First, third, left, right. And instead, I thought it was incredibly refreshing to see them focus on short, center, like as 18-year-olds. Because guess what? We played baseball as kids, right? Guess where the best players played? Yeah, shortstop. Shortstop or center field like or, or catcher. Like those were... Up the middle, those were where your best players played. If they were acquiring, and 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 there's a and I ask this because there's a large contingent out there that's like, why so many shortstops? What are we doing? 
They can't all play shortstop. Well, well, it's not even that, Ed. It's they're 18, 19 years old. If I'm targeting a kid that's 18 and 19 years old and he didn't play shortstop, that kid probably sucks. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, bottom line is they're likely the most athletic players on the field. And as they fill out, they're going to have the best footwork on the field. So if you want to move and the feel and the speed, and right. The, if you like, want to move somebody, it's, it's easiest to move them off shortstop. And that's why you see right. so many players, Manny Machado comes up as a shortstop and is moved over. It's in terms hey, of, fun, if you want to get really good Don't fundamentals that, going left, right, tough throws, very difficult angles, big arm shortstop is where you want to be. Now, Moving players to center field is a little bit trickier just because of the way that the ball tails both directions and having to cover the most field and be able to track, which tracking sounds easy and it looks easy on sure. TV. I've done batting practice and shag balls. But tracking you're not an elite athlete, Clay. Well, <laughs> well tracking a ball is the amount of carry these guys get on the ball is unlike anything you have, sure. you've ever seen. Sure. It's tough to teach. Um But, yeah, so the other thing about this is how many really good teams have a bad shortstop? None. None. So when it all comes down to it, let's just say perfect world here. Of the six options that we have at shortstop, let's say three or four pan out. Okay, well, if we don't want to move them, we have other positions filled, whatever. What's going to be the top trade asset in the red system? a young, controllable shortstop. And that's all these prospects. I hate to say it because it dehumanizes them, but this is what prospects are. They're assets. Rather, you want to use them in a trade or you want to use them as just cheap talent, which the Reds tend to like to do. What they're doing is just getting as many assets at an extremely important position. I think here's the thing for me organizationally, because I think – if they can stick to a damn plan, this is the right plan. Starters with plus pitches, multiple plus pitches, relievers with big arms, and athletes. Like when I watch the Braves, and and maybe it's because the Braves are the you know they're they're the champs. When I watch the Dodgers, I see electric baseball. There's guys making plays in the gap. There, there, there's, you know, there's guys hitting the ball in the gap and, and turn it into a double or, you know, if, if you bobble it, it's a triple. Like, it, that's not where the Reds roster has been. I think because of Great American Ballpark, there was this belief that just get, build a beer league softball team in Major League Baseball. Yeah. Because they play in Great American Ballpark. Well, Guess what, dumbasses? They only play half of those games in Great American Ballpark. Like, it only works half the time. And if a pitcher comes in to Great American Ballpark and keeps the ball down and you're not able to drive it into the outfield, then your entire plan is tanked. L.A. De La Cruz, the guys they got for uh, Castillo. Castillo. Like, it, it represents a change in philosophy that I think this franchise has desperately needed because there was a almost like we built this ballpark and now we're going to cheat our way 
Mm-hmm. On our way. That's a fantastic pause for him, though. It is, so it's dramatic. The Rockies cool. tried to do that with. Uh, am I back? Oh, you're now back. you are. Yeah, the Rockies tried back. to do that with Coors Field, and it and it hasn't worked. So, pivot. Figure out something different. Go with high end mm-hmm. starters: Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft. The guys that you've acquired in these trades that have multiple plus pitches that you know all the the guys that follow the minors have been talking about, and then supplement that with. Hey, guess what? We're going to have athletes and and guys that can produce at second, short, third, center, up the middle. And then you go out in 2024 and you find a corner left fielder. Yeah. And one thing that I want to note about what they've done that I've noticed immediately is – do you agree with me or not, Clay? No, I I do. I do. Because the easiest positions to find in baseball (laughs) – Easiest positions to find are corner outfield, first base. Um, Those are the easiest to find. And that's kind of where the futures, everyone's kind of worried about, right? Oh, who's going to play in the outfield? Like that stuff's going to be easier to find. One thing that I keep coming back to, and it just, it's just been on my mind for whatever reason. I did a really extensive deep dive article about the Oakland athletics off season that this past year. All of those players they traded off, Chris Bassett, um, Matt Olson, um, Matt Chapman, you know, they had a whole list, five or six. Yeah. Billy Bean, who everyone praises, right? Oh, my gosh, Billy Bean's the best ever. <laughs> of the 17 players brought back, in my opinion, I think one is for sure an MLB starter. All of the other ones I have extreme questions about. They've underperformed. And the reason why was because Billy Bean's strategy was, I'm going to find the undervalued players. I'm going to find Kevin Smith, who's 26 years old, hasn't had a chance in Toronto, and I'm going to give him his breakout. I'm going to find JT Ginn from, you know, whoever. And that that's what they value. In this deadline, they did a lot of the same. Close to MLB undervalued how many can we get Let, let's go quantity over quality and just hope a couple hit well it hasn't done shit for the a's um it doesn't look like it's going to work out well at all of the 20 plus players they've acquired it's looking really bleak and that farm system sucks what the reds have done is they've layered it so they've said we're going to bring in brandon williamson justin dunn jake fraley 2022 help, 2023 help. We're going to bring in Chase Petty, 2024, 2025 help. Then they brought in two deals with the Drury return and the Naquin return that are, we're going to take our chance on 18-year-olds. Lottery tickets. Yeah, and they've spaced out the aging. They've spaced out the Rule 5 eligibility They've spaced out this roster, and I hate to say it because I thought it was the corniest shit ever, the peaks and valleys thing. This is how you, as a good team, avoid that if it works out. You have to space out the prospect return. And when people were yelling and screaming on Twitter, oh, you know, Arroyo, Marte, these guys are 19, 20 years old. How are they going to help? Marte is so damn good. He'll be up by 2024. And Arroyo is on the same path. And regardless, going for the, you know, triple A guy, 
typically means one thing or another. It's going to cost a ton or it's them selling low or yeah, them selling low when they think he's still high. Jose Barrera, the more, the higher up they are, the more you know about them. Jose Barrera's trade value is not nearly the same as what it was last year. Now, somebody who's a Marlins fan may say, oh shit, Jose Barrera, he was a top 30 guy. Like we want him, right? But in reality, trade values change when you get to that level and you were exposed to a, to a different type of pitching. So I guess what I'm saying is it's not always the best move to get the 24-year-old AAA guy who's, you know, pretty good. Sometimes, especially when you're a small market team, you have to take the risk. And I've talked about this on the show many times, calculated risk. Getting, you know, Christian Encarnacion Strand is, is a calculated risk. You're going for a guy lower in the rankings that's shown pop in his rising up rankings. Those are the type of players you want to be targeting, and that's what good general managers do. We There's a one, question in the chat, Ed. I don't I know. Say we have we have one question in the chat I wanted to get to because I know you still only had 30 minutes. Uh, but <laughs> like Matt is an hour ago. I know. Uh, <laughs> well, I almost had you out of here in 30 minutes, and then Aaron jumped in. Um, how high do you think Cam Coyer will be in on the rankings? That's a good question. First round pick from this year, I honestly don't know. Um, depending on which rankings you look at, MLB um, pipeline overrates prospects the year they're drafted. That's why Austin Hendrick was like a top three prospect or whatever he was. They tend to do that. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just what they do typically. Um, the only the only reason why he dropped in the in the draft was a lot of people didn't think that they could sign him. Um, it would cost too much or they're worried about him deciding to go to college instead. So he drops the Reds, get him. He's 17 years old. Um, from what I've, you know, I'm not a draft guy, but I've talked to plenty of people, just baseball who are draft guys. And I was watching their live stream when this happened and they were freaking out about how excited they were for the Reds to get a bat of this caliber that late in the first round. So I'm really excited about it. Where will he slot? If I had to guess, um, man, they just brought in all of those trades today. Yeah. I, I, I mean, he's top ten for sure. He's a better prospect than Jay Allen. He's a better prospect than Spencer Steer. I'd imagine. I haven't seen him play. Um, can't Cam Collier. I've not seen him play. I've seen just a few highlights. That's it. He's 17 years old, people. Let, let's just wait until he's <laughs> 19 or 20 and seeing some at-bats before we dive too deep. Clay, I think the big – August 10th, before we let you go. August 10th, I'm in for Mo. Uh, I, I, I want to do a deep dive on the radio on, like, the, 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 the plan. And can Cincinnati stick to finally, like, develop a plan and say, hey, guess what? This is who we are. This is what we're going to do. Like, this is who we're going to be. I think, you know, I guess my question for you before I, I let Aaron ask his final question and we keep you for two hours. Um, uh, I'll stick around a little bit longer. <laughs> um, are we at a point where we look at this and say, okay, they, they, they finally have a path. They finally have like a, a meaning, a, 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 a internal agreement on what they want this franchise to be, because that's like the, 
that's the thing that that Cincinnati fans are disgruntled about is okay, this was the plan. Oh, well, no, 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 that's not the plan. This is the plan. Okay, that's not the plan. Now this is the plan. They, and the piggyback they have to stick to this. To piggyback on that, all I was going to say is, is that the biggest takeaway that we actually have a plan? And is that something that the fans can actually put some faith in this, this front office that has been desperate this entire season for the fans to actually have any type of faith in? And yeah. are we looking at 2024? Votto okay. comes off the book. Moose comes off the books. I think there is a plan. Um, I think it's pretty clear, and it was just – two stack prospects spaced out to an extent, but stacking, if you look at each individual roster and I'll, and this has less to do with this time of the year, look at each individual roster and find the holes. There's legit prospects or at least intriguing prospects at each level besides triple a, which nowadays triple a is not nearly as important as I it used do to have be. a question about that. It's wild. The triple a has become, yeah, it's tough. irrelevant. We'll we'll get to that, but yeah, I think there is a plan, and the plan was simply to stack as much talent as they could and space it out, and they've done exactly that. Every I hate the trade value machine, not because I don't think it's interesting. Um, the reason why I hate it is because everyone like tweets ridiculous tra- trades on me because numbers match that don't make sense. The- um, I think the Reds won every single trade. From the trade value machine. Right, that's your on. that's your headline right there, Ed. The Reds won every single trade. I I I would be hard pressed to find somebody that would trash this deadline, no matter who you talk to. National people, people who I've talked to, the very few connections that I have that I trust, those people all have done nothing but praise the Reds' moves, and you can see why. They got the best return, not named Juan Soto. They got the best prospect return besides that one trade in the entire MLB. That says a ton. With the trade for Mali, they got players that all make sense. And I know it sounds kind of like, okay, this guy's seven overall. This guy's whatever. Like, You know the, the rankings for the Twins is so messed up. They have Austin Martin as like a top two. And no one is falling faster in the prospect world than Austin Martin, who cannot hit a lick, no power at all. They had Encarnacion Strain at 23. He comes over to a stronger system in the Reds and moves up to 17. Like, I I, I don't trust those numbers, especially for Minnesota. Um, They're all over the place with other websites. Just baseball, we will be doing our Reds top 10 updates soon. I like the plan that they have right now. And... It also seems like they're playing as let's acquire and draft left-handed starting pitchers because those seem to be valuable. And they have several, Andrew Abbott, um, Brandon Williamson. I mean, they, they just keep coming along, Nick Lodolo. Um, the one thing, the one thing is, and th- th- this is important in my mind, I'm a roster construction, roster construction team building nerd. The least amount of money, and people are going to hate me for this, the least amount of money on your team should be spent on the bullpen. And I know that sucks for a team that has a shitty bullpen. However, he, 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 just hear me out here. No, I'm going to agree with you, I think. 
Okay, even large market teams should put the least amount of money. Now, of course, a large market team's least amount of money may be the entire freaking payroll for the Pirates in the bullpen. Okay. Yeah. There is so much volatility and bad, good bullpen arms. Look at – if you just go over to Baltimore this year, CNL Perez sucked for the Reds, right? Under two ARA has been electric all year in Baltimore. Felix Batista, seven years in the minors, 99 percentile in just about all kinds of categories. It's so up and down. It's so hard to predict. You don't want to be where the Braves are, where they're paying Will Smith $11 million or whatever it is per year, and he sucks. Drew Pomerantz, same same thing. You see all of these situations, and a team like Cincinnati cannot afford to have those type of financial mistakes tied up in a bullpen. A guy who pitches seven <clears throat> innings. Okay, so what I would say to that, and I, and I agree with that in large, you also cannot be 29 in bullpen spending. D- that I do agree. You yeah. You have to at least be smart about it. Um, I, I would even say, look at the Bengals, it, it, and and I know this is in a, you know kind of a crazy take, but sign your bullpen bullpen arms for one or two years instead of giving you like these guys like three four year thirty forty million dollar guarantee deals. But you can't be at six percent of your salary is in the bullpen. Yeah. It needs to be 10, 12, 14%, but it has to be done wisely, like you said, where you can cut bait on a guy if if it falls apart. Yeah, like, and that's what you want to avoid because what happens with bullpen arms, the good ones typically do everything they can, their agents do, to get that third year. Well, right? and, so when- and, and teams throw them when they're hot. They throw them 97 innings. And then yeah. they're ruined for two years after that. If you go through some of the top offseason signings, just off the top of my head, um, Andrew Lope went to the Angels, has been pretty damn bad. Ryan Tapera, both making like $8 million a year. Um, not good. Year. This happens so, so often. And with a team like the Reds, you cannot afford those type of money mistakes. You're talking yeah. about, you know, it. If you have a position player playing okay and he's eight million, at least he can impact the game more often than the relief pitcher can. Um, but what they have right now is they have a ton of pitching depth in the organization. And someone like a Alexis Diaz can always pop up, right? Just kind of out of nowhere. Like, even if you look at the Dodgers, do you know who Evan Phillips is? Uh, Nobody sure. does, because <laughs> Evan Phillips. I, I, I haven't met him yet. <laughs> Evan Phillips is the typical like, yeah, pretty good career, kind of a cast off. We're gonna bring him into the bullpen. Boom, electric. Good teams find that because they have good pitching, coaching, and development. It's not always about how strong is their track record. It's about what can we do with that. Look at Tampa Bay. How many Tampa Bay bullpen arms can you name off the top of your head? yet most of them are really good because of how they're used and what qualities they look for when acquiring them. So do you remember when Nick Crawl took position, like his, his current position? So like was December it December 2019 so, or something? So this is this what, his his third, second trade second deadline? Half. 
see a second. Uh, I think he had 2020, which, you know, whatever, and 2021, if I believe correctly. Ed may be looking that up right now. So is it safe to say at this point in time, then, that Nick Crawl may be a dude? He's pretty good. Like, He's like, pretty or, good. Or... Yeah. The... And I made this case. I wrote an, an article kind of reviewing the offseason for the Reds about a month and a half ago. And it was kind of looking at each trade and signing that they did. Sunny Gray trade is fine. It's not bad. It's not good. It's fine. They got a high upside arm. And with that, they also traded away Sonny Gray, who's been injured two or three times this year and pitching five innings at a time. Like, that's about what you'd expect. Um, You know, I'm not going to run through every trade, but the only one that really was a head-scratcher doesn't really matter. Amir Garrett for Mike Miner. Like, who cares? And at this point... (laughs) There's my Mike Miner. He's gonna have to eat some innings for the Reds and finish out the season. But overall, I it think it should have just Crawl, been Wade Miley. Well, Wade Miley's pitched 19 innings this season. Okay, yeah, he's and he's been as about as effective as Mike Miner. Yeah, <laughs> about. But Nick um, Nick I just think Steve. overall, Nick Crawl has done a good job. I yeah. think a lot of people could argue. You know, I was a little hesitant to have that take just because there's you know, an argument that could be made that, oh, well, how about this move or that move? And that's fair. But I think he solidified his, you know, kind of tip of the cap to him with this deadline. Um, no GM's perfect at all. Um, the best ones in the game screw up all the time. But He got Jeff Brant- he got He got Brantley off his back because Brantley was ranting about not having a backup catcher worth a damn and – so they did, um, and I know you all will probably hate this, but I know Jeff Rantley would literally hate this. Um, that catcher, they do catcher scores after the game, and the game that he was particularly talking about had the number one framing score in the MLB that night. But I know he had like two pass balls or something, and I saw that tweet and was just like cracking up, thinking if I told that to Jeff Rantley, he'd probably like have some rageous fit about framing. He'd, he'd punch you with a, an ice cream cone from UDF. That's fine. Yeah, he'd slap you with a with a with a, with a slab of ribs. Um, Nick Crawl was announced uh, general manager on or was named, sorry, general manager on May tenth, two thousand eighteen. Oh wow! Okay. Well, I think he had a change in title. But Dick Williams was president. Yes, he was assistant like, right. manager in two thousand fifteen. Chad, as did... president, Dick Williams was calling the shots, right? Probably. Probably. Chad, did did you have something you were gonna say about AAA? I, I I'm just amazed um when watching the trades now that there are no AAA players. Like yeah. it's it, AAA is has become irrelevant. Like it doesn't exist. Like a, Tri- like when you I mean it used to be when you watched the trade deadline. Like a team would trade somebody and they would get like three triple A guys in right. return. Now yep. that doesn't like that's not even if you get a triple A guy, people are like, oh man, this team got fleeced. Triple yeah. <laughs> A has just... turned into um kind of a practice squad, if you want to jump back to the NFL analogies, where yeah. you have a bunch of 26 through 31 year olds who 
aren't exactly prospects anymore, but are not bad enough to just not have a job, um, kind of break glass in case of emergency type rosters. Right. Um, now there's going to be some prospects in triple a, as you know, but it seems like the difference between triple and double a is shrinking. And from what I've heard is the difference between the minors and majors is seeming larger and larger, um, of an adjustment. Now, of course there's going to be exceptions to that rule, but. And maybe that's because triple a doesn't mean shit anymore. Like the, the people aren't. People aren't camping guys in AAA for a year like, right. to get them ready anymore. Yeah, They're it's camping with double A. A lot of quick stops in AAA. Um, you may see someone go double A, triple A. Like a starter may pitch you know, 18, 20 starts in double A, then three starts in AAA before he gets called up or so- something along those lines. Could be the baseballs are different in the MLB than they are in the MILB. I think they fixed the baseballs. I'm convinced that they have. If they'd quit messing with the baseballs, they wouldn't have to fix the baseballs. Just saying. It's just wild. Like, does any other sport just like tamper with the ball that they've used? I don't. Probably in the NBA. Like, well, I mean, Tom Brady famously did, but yeah, that's true. Um, I I, I want to ask the most pressing question, perhaps. Of Are the week you still time Twitter. to? Yeah, this, I don't care anymore. Be, Whatever. I, I was gonna say this would be my last question, if if nothing else. Um. Everybody, I think, wants to know how you picked the six cigars that you sent Mo Egger for each of the Reds' wins, and and they won tonight. So, I I mean, does that count as one of those six Reds' wins the rest of the world? So, those who don't know, um, I guess I can show you all. Just give give me one second here. All right. Uh, Ed, I I, I want to tell you that you're a superstar for tonight. Well done, Ed. So what I have here in my office is a humidor. Um, my cigars. Whoa, Clay. So I have a humidor with just a bunch of cigars in it. I'm I'm a cigar fan. I smoke cigars a lot. Yeah, it's kind of my my thing. So I remember when you had one with Matt Latos. <laughs> yeah, I remember you did too. Clay cigars and I, I collect baseballs. <laughs> so I am. Um, I knew that Mo was a cigar fan, and he had me on after I wrote the Reds Deadline article to discuss it, um, which was funny because I was, like, in Colorado on vacation and had to, like, go to my buddy's bedroom and lay on his bed to do the call so I wouldn't distract their at-home working, which is really a strange setting. So I said I was with Mo at the Holy Grail two weekends ago. And then at the Budweiser deck. And I said, hey, you know, thanks for having me on, whatever. Like, I'm going to send you some cigars. And he's like, no, don't do that. Dude, I have like 450 cigars. Like, I'll send you five, whatever. <laughs> so I am um, being, being a big fan. I was like, okay, of cigars. I was like, okay, like, I don't want to send them junk. So I sent him an Opus X, which is like a limited, rare Artur Fuente, really expensive not really, really expensive, but you know, expensive. So, which pro- which prospect would you relate to that? The Opus X, um, man, that's a it's a top five prospect for sure. Like <laughs> Twenty five, thirty dollars cigar or something. Okay. Um, sent him one of those. What else did I send him? Did you know um, I once offered to buy a cigar for Adam Dunn at at? Uh... You've told me this. Okay. He said no. I, I sent him a 
Diaz de la Gloria, I think it's AJ Fernandez, Longsdale size, which is like one of my favorite cigars. I don't even remember what else I sent him, but I, I, I think I sent him just a few of my favorites. Um, okay. Hopefully he likes them so he doesn't think I just have shit taste. Well, sorry to put you on the spot. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just, I thought it was fascinating and in pure clay form. So well done. Well, yeah, I, uh, I, you I didn't send me anything when I had you on the radio for the first time. <laughs> that yours is still on back order. Oh, okay. Got you yeah. something very special. Well yeah. played. Yeah, I mean, I, I was the first guy that had you on radio. Head. Just a big fat head. You go right here. Yeah. Of who? You instead of Ed. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I'm not gonna hang that. So Clay, I'm gonna send you this. <laughs> It's a car magnet. <laughs> I'm going to send you this Matt Latos bobblehead, Clay, Please because don't. you are such a big fan. I did just notice he has a crack in his neck. Um, sorry yeah, about that. A, a, yeah, terrible, terrible human. Clay, I'm I sure Clay has heard a lot people. of the same stories. Terrible human. I've asked yeah, two people that personally know Matt Latos about him, and both of them have said very bad things. <laughs> He's going to hate us on, on, not on Facebook. Not a good human. I won't tell you who they are, but don't well, don't guess either. I don't want to spoil it. Any any other uh, any other gems you want to drop before we let you off the hook here, Clay? You you did plenty. If if Ed Ed didn't sink the ship, and and you carried the load tonight, Claire. I um I, I started writing this morning at seven a.m. and have not stopped until just now. So, Clay, did you hear about published? Third, third uh, podcast of the day. Um, man, I, best podcast of the day. Th- this is the most fun podcast to do. <laughs> Clay, did you um, know that I'm a I'm a published writer? You are at um, what was that? Journal.com. No, 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 no. What 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 was the basketball <laughs> thing called? The TBT. 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 You were at the TBT or wrote about it or whatever. For BearcatJournal.com. Right. I did. Right. Who I've heard the proprietor is quite an asshole. (laughs) Clay, we love you. We thank you for your time. Get back to writing. Is that it? Do you have anything else before I go? Oh, I I mean. Again, Clay, Wednesday, August 10th, you and me. We're gonna go until we can't go anymore. What time of the day is that going to? Three to six. Can I be at five o'clock? Yeah, we can do the whole five o'clock hour. That would be fine because okay. I recently got a new boss at work, and let's just say it's a little (laughs) bit more difficult to to skate out. I did spend the today uh, working from home, and you know that went. That went well. Uh, Five o'clock hour works. I, I'm on the 10th and the 11th, both Wednesday and Thursday. So we'll figure it out. I'm sure I can make that work. I'm sure I can. You're, you're the best. We appreciate the fact that you are our uh, unofficial fourth, even though hey, Chad is. I feel like it's been too long since I've been on last. That's how I felt too, Chad. Uh, Clay, it's off of the- Clay, how do you feel about Patty the Batty and Molly Meatball? All right, guys. I'll see you all later. All right. Bye, Clay. <laughs> what a dude. I love Clay. Clay's outstanding. I, I, nothing more happy than seeing a guy like that get to, like, oh, start for sure. to come yeah. up the, the yeah, for sure. 
Um, hey, when he came, he when he hopped in before everybody, he's like, "I've been writing since seven o'clock." I was like, "You know what? I can start the show without the guys. We're good." Good job. Well done. Uh, so, well so done. if you had to summarize what you learned in just a few words, Ed, what did you learn in the time that you had Clay? In the time that I had Clay, I've learned that the Reds did really good at the trade deadline, and that we should possibly start bringing some of these guys up a little bit early, uh, especially. Oh, I thought he was laughing at me. Um, especially uh, Marte, um, let him let him get a little, let him get some reps in. Um, but you know, sounds like we are set up for the future, possibly uh, another rebuild. But hopefully, this one, uh, this rebuild will be successful. And by successful, I mean not just a playoff first round playoff win, but by successful, you mean please don't suck. Please don't suck. That's actually also what I mean by successful is please don't suck. <laughs> yes. Well, um, it will be interesting to see what the Reds do the rest of this season as they should have plenty of opportunity for Ouch. guys. To- Ouch. <laughs> Damn, I mean, that's, that burns. That's it. Ouch. <laughs> Holy shit. Dang, Clay. Like, okay. Uh, you need a hug, fine. Also, did you guys hear Clay predicted that I had cheese conies? He did not know that I had cheese conies. He's like, Ed, I got this one. Sit back and eat your cheese conies. And I was like, how did you know? Because I, I had cheese. Pretty predictable. I'm not sure that there's another food that you've eaten. I had a Crunchwrap Supreme yesterday. I mean, while we've been recording. Oh, I'm uh, pretty sure. Chick-fil-A. I'm pretty sure that Tuesdays are generally your skyline night. Chick-fil-A. Maybe once of all the times that you've eaten. In any case. Down here, it's at least 12. Um, like I said, the Reds should have plenty of opportunity for guys to come up and, and get some ABs, get some innings pitched, see some major league batters. But it'll be really interesting to see what they do going forward the rest of this season. And, I mean, there, there's, there should be a lot of, a lot of free space uh, here in the next couple of years as far as the money goes. So, uh, switching gears. FC Cincinnati played a game. They tied again. Go figure. FC Cincinnati strikes again. Good job. Are you going to do this to me every week? I mean, are they going to tie every week? Dude, it's just... Oh, it's that, it was that last 30 seconds of the... Of the Doesn't matter. I, I mean... A tie's a tie. We're up four to three, and then... And th- until they weren't. So, they remain... FC Mid Cincinnati. Well done. Um, switching gears again. Mid! Yep. Switching gears again. The Bengals opened up camp this week. Have you been looking at any stories, reading anything, Ed? Do you know what's happening in Bengals camp? Yeah, actually, I do. Uh, Joe Burrow got his appendix taken out. He did. He had to have an emergency appendectomy. So, Joe Burrow and I finally have something in common outside of the fact that we're both men. Um, well, okay. So, so there's that. Yeah, um, his appendix yeah, came I'm out. A, and, I'm 40. 40. <sighs> Come at me. I have that ready to go, Ed. Like I'm that, sorry. That, I should. That. I should work on that one. Um, Tonk. Are we? Tonk in? <laughs> no, he's just making noises for the different sounds that we should have avail- at the ready. Really. Oh, sorry. Um, I did. Uh, are you worried at all that all of Joe Burrow's power is derived from his appendix, and now that it's gone, um, 
it's a possibility. We could. No, I think that. Joe Bauer, Joe Burrow's power was about six inches lower. Fair. Okay. All right. Burr. He's yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. Um. He had a cool little yeah. fancy scooter out on the field too. I, I hear that. I hear the uh, the the appendix thing though is a uh, one of those conspiracy theories. Is not true. So. Oh, he doesn't no, have his appendix not. taken out. No, 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 no. I'm saying the power being in the appendix. Okay. And then, Dad, uh, what do you I, think about drinking Chardonnay at the county fair? <laughs> <laughs> Why would we drink Chardonnay at the county fair? Why would uh, we drink because... Chardonnay? Is where that question begins and ends, actually. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, um, Brent, I also saw Evan McPherson. Evan McPherson kicked a 62-yarder on Saturday. 65. That had, 65. 65. It had plenty 65. of more, plenty more to go yeah, on it. He said he could have made it from 70 the way he kicked it. Um, dude's, dude's a dog, right? He is. Yes, he is. Dog. But he, uh, I don't know. I mean, he's he's going to have a sophomore slump. I know people were worried that last year was an anomaly. Uh, he said himself that he's, you know, last year's stats or last year's stats. He's not looking back and, and compounding on last year's stats, but I think you're silly not to. Um, but in any case, I don't, I don't think he's going to have a drop-off. Um, I hear that Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are both looking as good as ever. Um, Eli Apple having a good camp so far. Hayden Hurst. Looking like an actual he had a tight end weapon. Catch. Yeah. Um, the Bengals may have lucked out on a guy who needed a, a, just a, an opportunity with Hayden Hurst. And obviously you had some things being said that people were interpreting the way that they wanted to from CJ Uzama. And maybe that's just looking like a parting of ways was exactly what we needed by both parties. But, uh, yeah, I'm disappointed, and I know it was. Uh, I <laughs> it wasn't as 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 drastic as like the uh, the the Bengals Twitter the clips. Well, the clips made it as opposed yeah. to what he actually said. But come on, dude, like you weren't that good. He's let's, let's, five let's be honest here. About you him. weren't People that good. Blown up. That that big contract that he signed for what it was I think it was three years twenty twenty one something like that eighteen yeah whatever it ended up being he was injured for like a whole year of that contract so, you were well liked because you were a big personality and you and related well to the fan base on the Super Bowl run but in terms of what you did at tight end eh. mm. give me Lenny Taylor I'll take Lenny Taylor over C J Uzama every day. Twice on Sundays, and that's he's, you know Sundays are what's important. He's a guy that doesn't stop, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, that was that was kind of a weird thing to happen this week. Um, I outside of that, though, um, we've heard a little bit on the injuries to the offensive linemen. Sounds like Lyle Collins would be playing if they were in the actual season, uh, so that doesn't seem anything to be too concerned about, as he did have an off-the-field injury to his back. Nobody really knows any details to that. But, um, yeah, I, I guess 
The biggest question mark still being left guard, as we'll see if Jackson Carmen can take that spot or if it's going to go to one of the other guys challenging him. Um, I, but I don't know. It doesn't seem like – it seems there's way more question marks going into Bearcats camp than there are right now in Bengals camp, which is odd. I, I disagree. Really? Yeah. What are the questions? And – I said way less in Bengals than, than in Bearcats. Yeah. What are the questions for Bearcats camp? Quarterback. I mean, uh, obviously, sure. The Bengals probably win because Joe Burrow is their quarterback in terms of, like, number of questions. But I still think the Cincinnati front seven is going to be elite, like high-end. You'll have to elaborate uh, which Cincinnati you mean. The, the, be- the Bearcats. Bearcats. Uh, I think you have a very, very good front seven. Um, I think you have a lot of talent in the back end that's that's unproven. But it's unproven because you had Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. And, yeah, and they're Brian not, Cook. They're not, they're not young guys taking over. They're, I mean, relatively speaking, I suppose. They've been in the program for years in a lot of those positions. Now, here's what I will say, Aaron, where I think you might be like uh, – you might be right. At this point in time last year, the question on the Bengals defense was, we don't have a fucking clue about the Bengals defense. Yeah, right? there were a lot because, of new, new faces. Well, there was there was a wave the year before that all got hurt, and then a wave in, in 2021 that were all new. So you had essentially a brand new defense which was why when I talked about going into last year, what's your ceiling for the Bengals? Well, it depends on the defense because we don't know anything about what this defense is supposed to look like. But what we do know is they were one of the worst defenses in the history of the NFL the year prior and the year before that. History. Historically bad defense. And then last year, if we're being honest with each other, the defense is what took them to the Super Bowl. Absolutely. Right? Because well, you look back Kirk, at like the Kansas City game, you look mm-hmm. back at the, the Tennessee game, it was the defense that carried an offense that couldn't convert in the red zone. Yeah, Joe Burrow was not MVP caliber Joe Burrow through the playoffs. Right. The defense did that shit. So now like I guess the question is, are we comfortable with stating Cincinnati is a top 10 defense? The bank, the Bengals are the Bengals, a top 10 defense going into 2020. If everybody stays healthy, I, I don't think that you can. Well, but that's that. the, the, that's the, the, always the big question in football. Sure. Does everybody stay healthy? Like it's football. Probably not. Right. But I also think the Bengals have more answers now than they've had in the past. I think that if the Bengals can somehow get Jesse Bates to sign his contract, whether that be some sort of contract extension. He's going to be here, or, man. There's no way he sits out. No way. Or his franchise tag, then then I, I think it's inarguable that they're a top 10 defense with the addition of Jesse Bates to the defense that is currently standing at I agree. training camp. Last year, what we thought was, okay, they're a, a bottom – 30 defense. There's 32 teams. They were probably 30 <laughs> coming in. They proved to be a top 15 type defense. If they're now a top 10 type defense and you have Joe Burrow at quarterback, 
Oh boy. Well, oh boy, as we, how good are you? As we're talking about last year's rankings, are you ready to call Joe Burrow a top five quarterback in the NFL now? Yeah, I think we're there. Okay. And if we're not, we're very close. Like, if he's not top five, what is he? Seven? <laughs> like, I mean, it, of course, it's going to depend on guys like Russ Wilson. Does he have a bounce back Denver Broncos year? Right, right, right. right. That's uh, the the. Yeah. It, will he be a top five quarterback? Is dependent on things that aren't really in Joe Burrow's control. Sure. He can perform, though, as a top-five quarterback. But remember, again, I, I've always gone back to three years ago when they were the worst team in the NFL. Paul Diener said how many – he wrote an article about how many guys are top ten at their position in the NFL. And the Bengals didn't have any. They didn't have any. Yeah. And no, now when you ask that question, there are people like that – Across the roster, there are people that believe Jamar Chase is now the number one – Receiver, receiver in the NFL. In the NFL, sure. And, and T. Higgins, Higgins is, is not, a top not 10, far behind, right? Top fifteen. And is a, a Trey Hendrickson is a, a an elite, a high level guy. Maybe he's not mm-hmm. top ten, depending on how you rank edge rushers, but he's real close. Yeah. Uh, Jesse Bates, uh, Awuzie is right there as an elite yeah. level corner. Um, Mike Hilton is is considered mm-hmm. a top ten nickel. Um, Joe Mixon, yeah, Mixon is is right. He, Mixon was the one guy like three years ago. It was like Mixon's. I don't know if he's a top ten back, but he's he's talking about he's one in that conversation. He wants I know. two thousand yards this year. Well, now that you've got an offensive line that can block, right. like he right. might be. So all of a sudden, Evan, Evan McPherson. Is a top 10 kicker, top five kicker. Right. Evan McPherson is a dog. (laughs) But when you're talking about this Bengals roster, you're no longer searching for who might be on the cusp of top 10. Who's even top 15 or top 20? Now you're saying top 10, top 10, top 10, top 10, top 15, top 20. Like that that changes the whole landscape. Of your roster. You might even have arguments for Lyle Collins, for Kappas. I mean, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it should be should be a lot of fun. They were the worst team in the NFL three years ago. Which is crazy. They are now, they have a roster, as we've talked about. There are two guys over 30. Three guys over 30 on this entire roster. And two more guys over 28 this entire roster is 27 or younger in their prime and under reasonable team contracts that's going to change are two of those guys kevin huber and uh clark harris um, clark harris yeah the long snap yeah those are two Uh, of the three guys over 30. that's insane and the other one is the the wide receiver that has oh, the boy. same name as a safety. Higgins? Thomas. No, Thomas. Oh, Mike Thomas. Uh, the, Mike, Mike Thomas. Yeah. Michael Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's two Mike Thomases on the roster. Um, and then like uh, this team is so young. And fun. This 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 it's it's hard to fathom that not only is this team so young. But the roster is in incredible position 
in terms of the salary cap and like all the things that are going to be uh, anchors in the NFL. Well, and that's one of the things that the NFL has right that no other sport can really do that you can flip your roster three years, over man, three years. From, from the worst to the best or, or, or second best, I guess, that quick. You know, I, I saw something the other day about the Bills that really fascinated me. They were terrible last year in close games against good teams. And I know they get like this, like they are the best roster in the NFL. They lost every close game against good teams last year. Eventually, luck runs out, man. Is that roster really as good as we think, like as good as the national media thinks it is? That was kind of like the Bengals, though, the year before this past season, where they lost. No, that roster was bad, man. But that roster was still bad. But they lost a lot of close games, and now you flip some of those games, and all of a sudden you're finding yourself in the Super Bowl with obviously an improved roster again. Yeah. But you're still flipping some of those games with a. The roster wasn't completely different last season from the year prior. Yeah. Hey, hey, Bill. Forty-five minutes ago, called and wants their comment back. <laughs> anyway. Um. Yeah, I know uh, camp's getting underway, Ed. I'm going to be spending plenty of time talking with Chad about Bearcats camp as as camp starts uh, tomorrow, right? Starting at Nipper. There, yeah, I got to That's why I did the the nightcap with Dave, right? Already, like that's already so, up. I, I got to go to bed when this is over. I'm not going to ask Chad any questions because I have plenty of time to ask Chad questions about camp. But do you, as a fan, Ed, have any questions regarding this? This has been your night, man. Bearcats Ed, Ed camp? Are we? Are we still in Bengals? No, well, Bearcats. Think, Bearcats camp starts Bearcats. tomorrow at 9 a.m. Well, we didn't. We didn't even talk about the other big news that came out of Bengals camp this week. Oh, you're well. You're right. I did not. I forgot that you did have the graphic pulled up of the uh, of Paul Brown Stadium. As so they this want is more. Yeah, More courtesy of Channel County. Nine, yeah, cur- courtesy Channel Nine. But it looks like we're getting some, we're getting some upgrades. Possibly, it looks like we're gonna get some fireworks, a nightclub. Um, they're making districts, kind of, kind of like the Reds did, different districts. So, so. as somebody who I, we both at one point in our lives lived in the county, we're maybe yeah. not us, but indirectly us, as our families were paying Hamilton County. Taxes. What do you think of being a taxpayer and paying for these additions, given the recent success of the team, but also the historic failures of the team? Well, I think that's why they need to jump on it now. Everybody's still looking at the success of the team. Everyone's still strike while the iron's hot. Exactly. (laughs) Everybody believes they're going to be a great team. They want to have a great fan experience like they do at Great American Ballpark. Uh, and I think the Reds, are, or the, I'm sorry, the Bengals have put together kind of a, a pretty good fan experience. I mean, they're finally going to make this dreadful, ugly-ass cement stadium and make it look uh, uh and make Night it look, Kelly. <laughs> and make it look, you know, like, a, like an actual NFL stadium. That's what I thought of. Oh, was. Kelsey. Like an actual NFL stadium. I mean, if you look at the okay. some of the notes here, we're going to have a banner, uh, a, a ribbon, 
going across an LED ribbon going. She's so an tired. LED ribbon going across the, <laughs> the inside of the field. I mean, right, we, what, right now Good that's night. only homemade signs and stuff. Um, you know, we're gonna. It looks like it, when you look through some of these drawings, it looks like they're gonna get rid of the the big escalator that went up to the top section. Yeah, they're here. talking about having a, a boardwalk connecting the upper yeah. upper levels. We're uh, gonna move the existing video board over to the middle of the field where it probably should have been to begin with. <laughs> um, they have a nice little you know patio area behind the the board. Um, I mean, the pictures make it know. look great. Now, can they really do it? So yeah, there's here's, where the here's... thing used to be. Here's my thoughts on things is I I agree. If you're going to do it, do it now while the team is, you know, selling out season tickets and what have you. Um, I also think that it's far cheaper on the tax holder or the taxpayers to do a re a, a revamp, a remodel, as opposed to tearing the whole damn thing yeah, down yeah. and rebuilding. While I, I, would love for there to be a dome here in Cincinnati. And I wish that they had gone that route to begin with. Um, I think this is a huge step forward and it also makes sure it ensures that the Bengals are here to stay, which I don't think they were ever going anywhere. I mean, at, at one point in my life, I was hoping they would uh, leave. Um, but I mean, yeah. Where, Where are you going to go? go? Well, that's a good point. Probably FC Stadium. Um Cincinnati. But thanks. Um when would this go on? I don't I haven't read that far into it. I've only seen you know the pictures. Well, I've only these read are all about... renderings and they're, they're it's not been accepted yet. These are all just ideas that are floating right. out there. Um, but when so would they is, have to that, put that on the ballot is what I'm trying to say. I would imagine it'd be the next election cycle or next uh presidential yeah, election. Well, I, I don't think they'd wait that long. I guess uh the next voting yeah. Mid- midterms i guess right i would imagine i also kind of you know i think they have to be strategic on when they put this on because you know right now you know things if it's aren't november too hot. and the, if it's november though and the team's sitting at what in in november you're looking at oh yeah you get the emotions right there yeah I don't know how many games you're at, but I, I imagine the Bengals would have a winning record in November at that point in time, barring any crazy injuries or something. Um, so yeah, I think I think it'll be all right. I think it'll be I'm good. also really excited about JT uh, JT of the front office news bringing back Club Metropolis um, at at Paul Brown Stadium. <laughs> I mean, just having a nightclub, especially Club Metropolis uh, Metropolis nightclub, uh, is going to be great. Would you would you go to like? No. Thank you. No. I just don't see there's nightclubs anymore. I live, I live two and a half hours away anyway. So I put in the group chat that based off of some of these projections, adding a nightclub, things like that. I'm starting to believe that it's a possibility that Hard Rock Casino is going to name the stadium. Who do you, who do you think is going to name the stadium? Potentially, I mean, but at the same time, like, I don't know that Hard Rock's necessarily getting into the pro stadium. They already have 
Fair. the Miami Dolphins, or I'm sorry, the Miami uh, Hurricane Stadium. Um, so I don't know if they're going to get into all of that, but uh, having a nightclub at a stadium isn't like a new thing. You do realize that, right? I mean, to me, it is. I mean, I just, we don't have nightclubs in Cincinnati anymore. Well, we're old, and there was just a pandemic. So bring back Red Cheetah. A lot, oh my God. Moving on. Moving on. You're moving on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think Chad's still with us, but if not, um, I'm sure he can still hear us and can bounce back. But I'm uh, here. I mean, it's like a, I said, you asked me what, yes. what are my questions? Yeah. I mean, I guess the big question is, and I, I you guys have touched on in the nightcap, you guys have touched it on, on you know, your Monday night show, your Thursday we night. We do a Wednesday lot of content. Show. We do a lot of we content. We do a lot of content right? at the BCJ. Um, but <laughs> I guess. I guess one of my biggest questions is quarterback. I mean, who who we're gonna? See? I know that's an easy scapegoat, but I mean, that's who we focus. That's what we focus on most of the time. You know, are we gonna have? Um, oh my gosh, his name just escaped me. Evan Prater, Ben Bryant. Thank you. I, I had Ben Bryant in my head. I couldn't remember Evan Prater's name. Who 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 do you think? You know, just from what you've seen so far. Um. You think the well, upper we haven't seen anything yet. Camp hasn't started. Well, these guys spring training. I saw, right? I saw the spring game, and both quarterbacks looked. Nobody, nobody really had a day. Like they both had great moments. They both had some not so great moments. There were a lot of guys missing in the spring game as well, um, for various reasons. But uh, yeah, I mean, nobody's really separated themselves. That's why it's still a question that's left up in the air. Obviously, is there a possibility? A is there a possibility he goes with the rotating quarterback? That was popular a couple years ago. Uh, I talked to him yesterday. I haven't listened to all of those yet. I don't think they want to like go rotating quarterbacks. Gotcha. All right. But he didn't rule out Packages. that like there would be. Uh, you know, some, some windows for both. If, if, you know, there isn't a clear winner of the job, you know what I'm I mean? I'm here for that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. He said two weeks is kind of the, that's what they're looking at. They're looking at a two week window to decide. They're not going to tell us. No, we'll, we'll find out game day. He said Thursday, the week of the game. And I was like, I don't believe you. we're gonna find out the game kicks off saturday at 3 30 we're gonna find out at three o'clock when dan (laughs) starts the the pregame show and says uh uh so and so is the starting quarterback today but he did arcing back to 2018 when they went in with hayden moore and um desmond ritter and there was a plan to get both of them on the field it's just that Desmond Ritter won that plan quickly. On the field. Does, yeah. Does one of these guys stake their claim on the first drive or second drive of their right. career? Like, I, I don't know. What else you got, Ed? I don't know that I – be more on – You don't have I mean, any just... other questions on the Bearcats? I mean, how – Going into camp, Ed? 
Okay, so we lost like Sauce Gardner. So how's that secondary gonna look? I mean, uh, and Kobe, and Kobe, yeah, yeah. and Kobe, and Cook. Also, my Alec Pierce card finally came in. <laughs> I'm I'm super excited to hear that. Ed. Well, I thought I thought it wasn't getting it. it. It said the tracking said it was in New Jersey, and it said it was in New Jersey for two weeks, and then it just showed oh, up in my front door one day. <laughs> Secondary is another one of those positions that obviously a lot of a lot of question marks as to who's going to emerge as, yeah. as starters. Um, we, yeah. we touched on some of that last night in the superlatives. I have I have my druthers that it's going to end up being JQ by week week four. So. I mean, Luke was pretty – when I was like, is JQ going to be the bounder guy? Like, Luke didn't uh, rule that out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Because you can't, he, right? Um, I mean, you can. <laughs> Technically, you can. It'd be silly at this stage. Like, you haven't seen what you've seen. Like, you haven't seen camp yet. So if right. he comes and, and and shines out now that everybody's there, everybody's healthy. Right. It's He's, different than lining lining up on. I mean, I love me some Blue Smith, but it's different lining up on Blue Smith than it is on. It, it's really difficult to be the heir apparent and then take over immediately. Yeah, but sure, he, here's where he does have an advantage. He got here early. Saw showed up like the week before camp or two weeks, you know, like right there before camp. And it was, it was a battle for him through the first month of the season to find snaps. JQ has been here since January. He's been with Brady. He went through the entire, you know, path of spring football um, so he has a significant head start over where sauce was when sauce arrived. Sure. Um, there's also like going into that season, Kobe was seen as the boundary corner and the, the only thing that pushed Kobe to the field corner was that ultimately sauce was just impossible to keep off the field because remember cam jeffries was the field corner kobe was the boundary corner in that 2018 season if you go back to that ucf game cam jeffries was really good how about all the people that were knocking kobe for winning the award simply because they didn't go to sauce and now kobe is shining out in seattle i am really loving good, man I'm loving some of these videos that we're seeing on Twitter of these Bearcats at camp. That Alec Pierce separation uh, in Indy was beautiful. The tweet today that said they're lining Stefan Gilmore up on him every down just so they can pick each other's brains and better him as a receiver going into the season. And you know what AP's saying in the back of his mind? That ain't no sauce. Sauce that ain't no better. sauce, man. That ain't. <laughs> I did this shit every day, bro. I did this shit every day. Can't say that like, out loud, I, but you can think it. <laughs> right? Like that's what's in his brain. That's what's. Hey, go to the Jets. The Jets are like that's that ain't hype, man. This yeah. is a dude. It's a dog. This is a He's dude called, that. Go ahead. 
friend of, calling friend of the show Greg Pierce and, and telling him, "Hey, Dad, Gilmore's good. Ain't no sauce. He's the best." Right. That's a that's a that's a shut down all pro NFL corner. It's a dog. Well, the, the Jets guys are saying it. The Jets wide receivers, the Jets guys on defense are like, "This ain't no, this ain't a hype thing." Yeah. This is a dude that's legit. This is a dude that every snap, you got to work your ass off to win. Mm-hmm. And that's what it comes down to in these, like, you know, in these early camp situations. Obviously, it'll be different when the games start, the preseason yeah. games, and, like, you know, we'll see. But, like, you've seen a lot of uh, a lot of positive from Beavers. You've seen a lot of positive from Majay. Cook. You've seen, like, yeah, Cook. I think Cook is going to be – I think there's three – there's three stars in this class. Sauce, AP, and Cook. I think those are going to be guys that eight, ten years from now we're going to be talking about as they're still in the NFL. Maybe – maybe. I, I don't know yet because, like, that's – quarterback is so different, man. Brady Quinn's still in the NFL. Des is going to be in the in the in the NFL for a long time, yeah, because of who he is, because of how he handles himself, because wait, wait, of the way he. Brady Quinn is not in the NFL anymore, Ed. He's not. If I if I if I Aaron, if we're talking about like is 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 Des guaranteed to be holding a clipboard in twenty twenty five? Yes, yes. Do I know that he's going to figure out like how to be a starter in the NFL? I'm not sure because quarterback is so volatile. But Sauce, AP, and Cook in 2025 are going to be cashing checks. Cashing checks. Like when we come to their second and third contracts, those are going to be guys that are going to be making a shit ton of money. It'll be fun to watch. Um, as we kind of started talking about the NFL, I did want to bring up and, and get your reaction as we can do this here. Um, the Deshaun Watson six games thing. God. I think it's a travesty. And I know you have some. But, but the NFL forced this situation upon themselves. I, I absolutely agree with that statement. Um, but Ed, I know you have sons. Chad and I each have daughters. And it's a disservice. They're not buying a Deshaun Watson jersey, I can tell you that. It's a disservice to women, though. That it is. It's they they continue to beat the drum for nonviolent sexual act. The whole thing's reprehensible. It's disgusting. It's I think the the judge called it the most egregious act of behavior that the NFL's ever seen. Which I don't know. That that's quite it when you had Marvin Harrison and Ray Lowe's out killing people, but right. um, outside of that, uh, it's disgusting. It's it's horrible, and I don't it, I don't know how you could be a Browns fan and go out there and root for this guy in the seventh game of the, of the six games, right? So in the seventh game of the season, especially especially if you were a Browns fan that was out here calling Ben Roethlisberger 
the different yeah. names that we saw yeah. his, his last name changed it, into. I think what it comes down to is it wasn't just like one accuser, right? It wasn't just like him against somebody else. It was 26, 27, whatever it was 30. in the 30 different accusers. I mean, this isn't, this wasn't a one-time thing where, you know, okay. Look, different. the guy had a very <laughs> simple move. He got a massage, he turned over, and he was like, Oops, pal! Surprise! Oh, it was it's wild. It's that's that was his move. Like that's his like that 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 was his like pickup line essentially. That's to deem that nonviolent. Yeah, that's. Come on, man! Come on! And a lot of these massages you don't were get the, none of us. If if Ed would have got a massage, just you know, went to a, a massage place. Never got a massage. Said, like, kind of you know, I'm a little tight. Back's a little tight. Need a little. Need a little work. Or his wife got him a massage for their like Mas- anniversary. Massage envy. Sure. Yeah. And he like he went to the massage place, and he turned over at the end of the massage, and he was like, "All right, here we go." Like that would not have ended well for Ed. No. No. I'd be in jail, <laughs> and I probably would have been fired. Right. Like uh, uh, that. I would have lost my I would have lost my insurance license. I would have lost I would have lost everything. You can't that's not how massages work. Yeah. Unless you're dealing with like unless you're like Robert Kraft, you know. Do you think there's any shot well, or or Jerry Jones? Um do you think there's any shot though that the NFL appeals and it ends up more than 6 games? They had to do it today. I I don't know how they can. Like this is the system they set up. They, they pigeonhole themselves. Yeah, and and, and, think- and the judge basically said they pigeonhole themselves with the wording of like their conduct policy. Well, she couldn't oh, give really? them more. I don't think she could really justify giving him more than six games. Correct, because of the way that everything has been set up. And I, I believe she would have had was- to have determined that these were violent crimes. And I, I mowed this morning and I was in the car for a while and packing. So I haven't had a ton of time on Twitter at all today. But did I read somewhere that the NFL took down its conduct policy? Like, yeah, they, the, they, they took it off the website. Uh, so, right shortly after the uh, so listen to the lawyers. I, w- I would hope that means several things. I would hope that means that they realized, oh, they fucked up. I would also hope that that means that they realized this needs to be better. And they're already in the process of redrafting the NFL conduct policy. I don't know. I assume that the NFLPA has to approve anything they put out as the conduct policy, but I think that, that together they can work on being better going forward. And look, man, st- you can't just whip your dick out and be like, Hey, you want to play with this? That's not how life fucking works. No, like that's, Come on. Can't do that. So, I don't know. I feel like it was defeat. I feel like when they say things that he's been publicly apologetic when he hadn't said anything publicly in in weeks. And the last time he did, he said that he didn't do anything wrong. Um, that doesn't seem to me very public, publicly he apologetic. Settled. When you settle, you're guilty. Like, look, if you settle a case... You don't if make you it know, go away. If, if you know you're there. innocent, if you know yeah. you're innocent and you just got a basic, like you just got a regular massage, right? And these girls were trying to 
frame you and set you up for doing things that you didn't do. And all you did was laid on your back and got a, a deep tissue massage because you're an athlete, which a bunch of athletes do. You would fight to the finish. Right. You would never give in. So you and you would say, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I, I, I went to this service. I got a massage. The massage was completed. I got up and I walked out. And he knows, he knows that's not what happened. He got the massage and in every massage, he was like, uh, ended the same way. Right. What do you think? <laughs> you, want, you want, you want to do this this way or you want to do this that and way? It doesn't sound like he waited for an answer either. Right. Um, so there is that. I don't know. Bum of the week, bum of the month, bum of the season, bum of the NFL, bum of his Decade. life. Fuck that guy. Like, I mean, just worst type of human like being. Bum, you know that? Bum. A bum. You are a bum. You're a bum. And that's all you'll ever be. A bum. Oh, that hurts, man. Because you're training like a damn bum, you know that? Bum. A bum. Apparently it was on loop. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Um, so I don't know. I just want to bring that up because I have been quiet on it. Uh, did throw some retweets out as generally with something controversial. I try and stay clear. Uh, this one, I, I couldn't do it. So um, outside of that, uh, Ed, there's been some things going on with wrestling. As oh, man. There was SummerSlam this weekend. So you've got a minute. Let's get minute. two minutes. One for each night. I didn't write down any reviews. I did watch a lot of wrestling this weekend. If we're going to be go honest. ahead, let's go. All right, so I watched uh, some AEW um, from was it Wednesday night. Um, oh my goodness, the guy's name make is, it happen, Ed. Come on, John Moxley. John Moxley uh, came in. Oh, you want me to make the screen bigger? No, no, go fast. Oh, sorry, John Moxley no, put on a hell of a no. match to open up AEW uh, the third the Wednesday night show. I'm a big fan of John Moxley out out of Amelia, Ohio, over here. I gotta know somebody at work that knows the man. I'm gonna try to get him on the pod. Who knows? Um, Come on, Ed. Fast. Okay, we'll keep going. Saturday night, SummerSlam. We have. Uh, well, actually, let's go past that. Uh, Triple H is back in the in the WWE. Uh, Vince McMahon retired, and now Triple H is ahead of of creativity and talent. Uh, there's a lot of rumors going around on the on the internet that Triple H and Stephanie leaked all this information on Vince because they thought Vince was going to drive this business into the ground Conspiracy. because he wasn't as good as he was, and that is why and that is why Triple H is back in the in the in the saddle. You can go on Twitter, you can go on TikTok, and there's a whole bunch of people saying that former wrestlers saying this as well. Um, you got 45 more seconds. Cat McAfee went out on Saturday night and beat bum-ass Corbin and the heat humidity almost fell off the top rope, but he still made it happen. Uh, shout out also to uh, Jake Paul. Um, he, or was it Logan? One of the Paul brothers uh, for beating the Miz. Uh, he actually had a pretty good match. She did some flying swan tons. It was a match. Um, and uh, Ric Flair retired again. Um, he had his last <laughs> match again. Um, this was, I watched the match. Um, at one point he faked a heart attack right in front of his family, which is fucking rude. Um, <laughs> but in front of the undertaker, undertaker looked really it's concerned about it. Just regular rude. That uh, was rude. Um, but I, I need, I need Ric Flair and whoever has a power of attorney over him to not ever do this again. The man has a pacemaker, 
Um, and he's still out there doing chest slaps. Uh, it, it was, it was, it was the amount of it time was, he spent on the floor. It, it was time 15 seconds ago. Yeah. Well, anyways, the amount, the amount of time he spent on the map on the trying to just gain his breath, um, split head wide open, bleeding all over the place. Um, yeah, that's what Ric Flair does split head wide open. Like he just, woo! he, he walked super slow to the ring. I'm just saying Ric Flair, uh, your last match was against Shawn Michaels. That we're 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 done. We're done, Rick. Shawn Re- Michaels gave him the old like I'm sorry. Sweet chin music. I mean, Rick, done. you had a hell of a career. Shout out to you. I mean, you are a legend of wrestling. I would put you above Hulk Hogan at some points, but uh, it's time. It's time, buddy. It's time. Like Rick Flair's career, it is time. That is the end of part of the punctuation. Ed again. You uh you picked up the ball when no one was there to play. Well done. Well done, Ed. Well done. Thank you. Thank I got you. here as Proud soon you. as I could. Proud of you, bud. It's fine. Hey, held it down. Proud of you. Uh, big shout out. Thank you to Clay Snowden. Clay as Snowden. always, uh, one of our favorite favorite human beings. And uh, fuck you, Deshaun Watson. Fuck you. Yeah. Up yours. For Ed Mayhall, for Chad Brendel, for Jeff Howell, who wasn't able to make it tonight. That was PTP, and we're out. Ba-da-bap.